Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 62 of Another Woodshop Podcast, where the CDC said you can officially listen to AWP without your mask on if you've been vaccinated. It's over. (laughs) We've made it all the way through a pandemic. That's right. Now, later, Dan will tell you the the significance of the number 62. But for now, Mike? Well, I think it's very significant because 62 is the exact amount of patrons we had six months ago. So big yeah. thank you to our patrons. <laughs> no, big thank you to our patrons for supporting the show. I actually don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I don't know where we we're at six months Sounds ago. Good. Who knows? So long ago. It's fun to say. Dan's going to get into some really important 62 facts in a little bit here. But big thank you to our patrons who sponsor the show. You guys are amazing. Uh, you know, not just our patrons. I mean, everyone who supports the show is amazing, but the patrons, they really come in clutch. They, uh, you know, they, fi- they financially support the show. So, I mean, that's a big deal. It allows us to keep doing the show. Uh, it keeps us going. You know, that's the bottom line. There's things we do that cost money here too. And, you know, and it's good. Man, to they're in for a treat <laughs> so. this week. They're going to get some <laughs> dank memes. Yeah. First of all, they get dank memes. They get dank to vote memes. on who wins a giveaway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how often do you get to vote? Yeah. Wait, I it's mean, a country. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, big thanks to our patrons for supporting the show. We love you guys very much. We really appreciate you all very much. Um, oh, this week, actually, we had a. I had a patron-only question this week, too. So that's going to be in the patron part of the show that only patrons will be able to hear. fire well. question. It was basically it some sneak peek. Our answer was sneak peek content for ArcBenchCon. Yeah, I mean, um, Jevin called it in, so inherently it was a really stupid question. But we made it Ouch. into a really interesting topic. So, <laughs> mean 100. Uh, no, <laughs> no, Jevin always comes in clutch with the patron questions. And it is a good question. We're Hopefully we answered the question for him uh, in a way that makes sense. Because, I mean, um, his idea is really good but we were concerned about how it would be executed in that scenario so his idea is really good in a different scenario and mm. i'm really te- i'm not i'm Super unintentionally vague. really yeah i'm unintentionally really teasing this uh anyway really good question jevin we really did uh, appreciate you getting that in here so i mean this week we got to get into some things i don't even know what i did dan do you know what you did i think first though before anything you should sing right now what's on my bench thank you for singing that was beautiful again you're getting better every week. Everyone's pretty good. <clears throat> What'd you do? I signed a record deal. People yes, are going to pay me to sing now. Your album, your your mixtape <clears throat> drops. Right. It's going to drop. It's going to be fire. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before I get in, into what's on my bench, I want to talk about something else. Something very, uh, very serious here. This is going to be dumb. Sit down. The number 62 is representative of your spil- spiritual journey on Earth, your existence, if you will, your purpose in the universe. The angels encourage you to put your trust in the Lord above and believe that all your material and monetary okay, listen, needs will listen, be taken care of. This is not what you read in life. This is completely different. What is this? Yeah, it's a different one. You totally said fun one. fact. The word Look, you used was fun. If you if you Google the significance of sixty two, those three <laughs> words or two words and a number, um, if, you get all kinds of things. It's crazy. Those three words. 
Yeah. Uh, the first the first six, one is the number 62 is a business T. number with a family bias. In essence, the numerology number 62 is a business number with strong in, inclination to benefit the family and other relationships. Also, it's an it Alabama number. and efficient <laughs> and a builder. Wow. Wow. You really tied that together. Really? You really yeah. made a big, nice loop out of that. I like- encourage everybody to go Google the significance of 62, which Please is don't. this episode. <laughs> don't give that website any more traction than it deserves. All right. Well, this, <laughs> what, this episode brought to you by the number 62. Dan, what was on your bench this week? And the letter? <laughs> you need a letter, too, with the number. Oh, do you? And the yeah. letter D. Duh. Um, <laughs> Double D. Dan. <laughs> Man, I've been doing a lot of stuff lately. I've been oh, I've been killing it on so the CNC. I feel good about it. I'm I'm out there. Okay, I cocky feel kid. I feel bad <laughs> if it's not running, so I'm just doing things. I I pumped out the clock. I did push sticks with Pete's help. I've I feel pretty good about designing in Aspire now. Um Oh, I'm working on some I made some bow ties. I'm working on a template for the bow ties. And aside from the CNC stuff, I am still working on the giant Tetra Shelf Big Brother. I'm working, I'm still working on the hidden door bookcase shelves. I might Tetra go shelf. and Huh? Tet- oh yeah, yeah, the Tetra Shelf. Like my mind wiped as to what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm doing lots yeah. of stuff. Remember I'm doing lots of like big time stuff over here. <laughs> Yes. Thank you for uh, the little stab and twist. I <laughs> uh, I feel like there's a fo- oh yeah I made a I made a cabin sign for a client clock? my first CNC commission. Yeah, I, I made the big walnut clock. I listed a bunch of things on my Etsy store. Things are popping over here. I love it. Pew, pew. Just popping off. Mike, what are you doing? <laughs> that was a really awkward transition. <laughs> uh, uh, this week, I'm a lot of my 62. time. Well, I'm doing a, 62 this week. <laughs> episode 62. No. Uh, this week, we, uh, a lot of it, I spent a lot of time making samples for some customers and for my own knowledge. I'm using some finishes. Uh, this Target Coatings brand, I'm really, really liking a lot. Uh, so I've been learning how to spray their products and trying to figure out how they look. But really, I'm trying to get samples together for my customers. Um, they want a very, they want a, a very clear, non-yellowing finish. Um, so we're trying to. I'm trying to get those samples done for them as soon as I can. Uh, also, I got some Etsy orders this week. It was kind of slow over on Etsy this week, so I got. Uh, I kind of flew through those things. I had a bunch of template orders this week, though. That was uh, that was pretty nice. Um, and then I'm just kind of working on these tables. I think last week I had picked up the big slab for this big uh, conference table commercial job I'm doing. Um, but I hadn't gotten it. Yes. No, I didn't. Last Sunday, I picked up the slab for the conference table. I picked up the big slab, the main slab, and then the partial slab. That's going to be the leg. It's going to be a waterfall (coughs) edge, mitered edge for that. So I got those to my house. I couldn't get them in the house because the thing probably weighs five or 600 pounds. Uh, so my cousin came over on Sunday. Me and him couldn't get it because it was too big. So Monday I had some three coworkers come over from uh, my day job and four of us couldn't lift it. <laughs> it was too big. So uh, I brought home uh, – we have – they're called drywall carts. They carry a lot of weight. They have huge big wheels on them. Brought one of those drywall carts home and me and my neighbor, Ken, he came over and we flipped the f- slab onto the drywall cart and I was able to get it into the shop. So now it's sitting in my backside yard 
And tomorrow my cousin's going to come over and we're going to get it onto some sawhorses and I'm going to start breaking that thing down. So the live edge is all coming off of that. It's not going to be live edge. It's going to be a big slab of dimensioned wood and uh, it's going to need a bunch of epoxy. Not a, not a ton, but it's going to need some epoxy on the ends. I'm going to throw bow ties in the ingrain checking. And um, I know a guy who has yeah. a template. Yeah, I was going to see if you could send me some of those because uh, yeah, I got you. That make it easy. I need some bushings too, right? You got all the information yeah. on your on your listing. I haven't I haven't listed it yet. I'm still prototyping. Oh, oh well, hopefully you can get that figured out in the next week. Cause, oh yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs> I got to get a bunch of epoxy in that thing. It's going to be a lot. So, and then I'm working on a couple other tables right now. I got um, my metal guy Aaron over at uh, Bidwell wood and steel there they've got all the dimensions in over there they're working on uh two bases right now for me one is for this teak table which i'm doing the samples for for the finishes and then one's for this english elm table which is uh, actually for my dad my stepmom for their new house out in montana um i'm working on that so they just picked the color today i got the dimensions out they're gonna be hopefully hopefully finishing up those bases next week and i can get both of those tables done probably next weekend uh, I'd like to get him out of here. My wife and I are going to be going to Montana with the boy at the end of the month. So we'll be out there for about a week. So I'm going to have uh, some out of the shop time. So I'm trying to get like two or three orders done. Two or three. What are you doing in Montana? Just hanging out? Just hanging out. Just driving just around. Out. Yeah, we're just going to go check out uh, Billings. Nope. We're going to go check out Helena and <laughs> Missoula. And uh, we're going to spend a night, spend the night in Bozeman and then head out to <clears throat> Missoula and then head out to, to Helena. So just checking out the place. No big deal. Don't look into it too much. Um, and then, and then, um, no, and then, uh, yeah, mostly the tables. Um, oh, I got a, I got a lazy Susan, a custom order, a lady, uh, who's local, a lady emailed me and said, Hey, can you make a lazy Susan? I was like, can I, I got all the tools for that. So yeah. <laughs> so she wants a, a local business, a local, uh, barbecue catering truck guy. Uh, they're making it for him as a, um, like a retirement present. So um, they commissioned that. That's getting made. And then what else I got? Uh, Do you guys know why they call it a lazy Susan? I'd love to know. 62? Oh, I, was a- I was asking. I was asking. 62. I don't know. No, I don't. Oh, I thought you could Google it and then it randomly <laughs> tells us the facts in the middle of Pete's segment. Um, Ooh, that's a good idea. <laughs> it's because you're too lazy to get up and you spin her around so you don't have to get yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, it, the but why Susan? Applied. Why Susan? Why not I mean, Karen? Be someone's well, that's, the, Karen, that's the old Karen. Lazy Karen. <laughs> Susan's, Susan's are the old so Karen. lazy. Well, there goes our all our Susan listener base. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. Oh no! no. Yeah, I'm trying to. Oh, think there's. My there, well, we're not getting sponsored by Suzanne. That's for sure. <laughs> That's out of the question now. Um, oh, Dan's got a fact. Look at his fact arms. I oh, found it. Can't wait. Give us, give us the hits. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw okay. it right in the middle of Pete's. Oh, also, <laughs> I have, um, I have some elm offcuts. Uh, this English elm, gosh, it's so nice. I was over at Urban Wood Rescue picking up the big slabs for the for the conference table, and my buddy Sean over there works over there, and he's like, "Hey, I got these pieces. We're gonna throw out if you want them. They're they're big, three and a half inch thick pieces of English elm, but they're offcuts. And it just so happens that I have some orders for some valet trays on my Etsy store for some ones the customers had picked elm, and I don't actually have any in stock, so I grabbed that and I broke it down this week. It was fun. It was nice breaking down rough lumber and making some. Uh, some dimension lumber out. I love doing that. I don't know why that's just so enjoyable to me. I'll just crank up the music really loud and just start breaking down lumber. It's really fun. So kind of music. That was my week. Huh? Justin Timberlake. I to no effects. I just, no effects. just smashed some no effects and just went to town. So anyway. Oh, I was. I thought you were talking about Rex and effects. Rump shaker. No, 
<laughs> no, no FX punk band. Um, Pete, what did you do this week? Oh, hey, what's up? Uh, I had a podcast. A, I had a rough week. <laughs> oh, is this a podcast? Oh, <laughs> hi, mom. <laughs> so I had uh, a bit of a rough week. I actually had two days uh, fully on site at my job, and those on site days turned into almost twelve hour days. It was Wednesday and today. I'm I'm coming off of like a, I was up at five forty five, and I got home at just shy of eight o'clock, and we start at nine o'clock well, my time. So wow. yeah, it was a photo finish there. Um, hours. That's a bummer. Yeah, it's just it, it was a couple of long days at work, and the best part of my week. Oh, this is so exciting! So on Wednesday, in the middle of my really rough day, I found out that our house closing got pushed back a month. So that was fun. Because apparently the tenants in the house that the sellers are moving into, because they own a second house, can't find a place. And because it's COVID, they can't kick them out. So, yeah, that's that's that, that's oh, exciting. I mean, it could be longer than that then. Well, it's... It could be longer than July then. Technically, yes, that could get messier. Ouch. But legally, they're only allowed to extend up to 60 days. Right now, they're extending Well, then 30. the house would be gone, right? They'd come off the market. Your contract would be void. We'd then? probably have to renegotiate a contract at that point of some kind. So it's not longer. Well, we could probably get some money off of it or something. Pete, but I got something. I got something that might make you feel a little better, though. Is <laughs> if it's a fact about sixty-two, I'm going to lose it. Let's go. No, it's uh. Well, it's said that Thomas Jefferson invented the lazy Susan because his daughter complained she was always served last at the dinner table. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. And Listen, as a what's result, because I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Karen, as a result, never found herself full when leaving the table. Isn't that weird? It's weird. <laughs> Go on, Susan Pete. Jefferson. Susan Jefferson. She she planted a cherry tree. <laughs> Into the heart of America. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pete. Um, no, I'm not. I'm so derailed. Where was I? Oh, yeah, ranting about the house. So there's that. So it's like, okay, we, we're not in a pinch to move, but we finally, literally this last weekend, we're like, okay, it's three weeks it's out. Happening. It's pack. So now we're living on top of boxes. Like, all the essential stuff is still out, but, like, there's boxes everywhere, and it's annoying as hell. Uh, especially in a shop, that's getting a little hard. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, yeah. It was Emma's birthday last week, and she got a cricket, and this amazing light that's illuminating me right now that makes it look like it's day. I love it. Thanks, Emma. Welcome. Hey, shh. I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> Ouch. I wonder why she's mad. Uh, I know, right? But the cricket is actually super cool. I am really getting into it yesterday we had a, a whole maker party of like a dozen makers from our community that all have crickets or vinyl cutters of some kind and we just kind of hung out and a uh, big shout out actually to uh bethany oh, I didn't get that invite craft with bethany uh, it was all over the internet so if you didn't come in there it's well. your fault right. uh but big shout out to uh <laughs> bethany for helping us out and doing a little class and whatnot we had a good time last night we made a bunch of projects and learned that machine's pretty cool I can did you know it can actually cut like you can get very thin metal sheets and wooden like veneers and stuff and it could actually cut it with the cutting wheel. It's pretty cool. Didn't know that. Um so that was that. Your we laser on, does that too, FYI. I know, but just no <laughs> no burn marks on this. <laughs> Emma made some pretty sick cards that like That's, in yeah, a store cool. would be like twelve dollar, twenty dollar cards, which like who pays that much for cards? What am I rich? Uh, my in laws. Oh, we flex. <laughs> Um, no, no, there are people out there that do it, is what I'm saying. I know. Not, I, I'm not I, yeah. flexing. But we can make flexible. them now. It's very exciting. And, and it's also very cool because, like, I, 
I'm getting Emma. I'm slowly tricking her into becoming more part of the maker world. Oh, wait, she's still here. Is that what she, she wants? Uh, whether she wants to or not, she's here. Oh, that's fun and healthy. <laughs> yeah. She's also stealing all my maker friends. She keeps messaging all of them. She told me what Dan's wife was up to today before I found out from Dan. Yeah, they're probably knew now. before I knew. It's dangerous, Dan. <laughs> uh, aside from that, I've been uh, I've been spraying with my sprayer, and you guys were right. I'm like falling in love with it. I clearly was doing it wrong when I initially started spraying because I was just not getting good results. I was getting a lot of uh, Mike. What do you call it? Orange peeling, right? Mm. Whatever. Yeah, You're probably putting it on too thick. Then yeah, too. I thick. think I just or had too it much set air. completely wrong, or the air was off. Whatever it was. Everything I've been spraying lately is just coming out so nice, and I love it. And it dries so fast. And I did that test. The one night we were down in the 50s, and I sprayed late at night, and it was still atomizing Damn. properly, drying no problem. I was actually kind of blown away that it was spraying just fine. So now yeah, I might be spraying. Yeah, not bad for a spray yeah, finish. It, does it was like fine. low 50s, but it was also windy, so you get a nice like cool breeze. Well, not nice cool breeze. But Summer's Eve breeze. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that's about it's, about it. Uh, it's just, I had a rough week. I've worked 20 hours this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm, I'm fading. I'm on uppers and downers. I'm drinking coffee and bourbon right now separately. I should probably mix those two. What about that table you're building for your buddy? Oh, he's coming over on Sunday. I told him I was, he was going to come over tomorrow, but after my week, I was like, I, I need Saturday off. Uh, mm. Come over Sunday. We're going to work on it, and we're going to get it. I'm going to glue it up tomorrow, just the top part of it. And then we're going to domino the rest of it, kind of rough fit everything, and then he's going to take it home and finish it because I'm done with it. I need it out of my shop because, well, now I have an extra month. I need to shoot a shop tour video, and I need to just do some stuff in my shop. I actually sold a bunch of cutting boards. I said I ran a, a cutting board sale on my – I made a Facebook story like an old person. Yeah. And not even like from Instagram. Like I actually went on Facebook and was like, hey, this is weird. I literally said this. This is weird. I don't usually do Facebook stories, but here it is. I'm having a moving sale. Voice crack and all. And oh, I sold yeah. a bunch of cutting boards. So people I was just trying to get you. rid of stock from the house. Oh, and people boy. bought them up. So that was nice. And that's about it. About it, boys. Let's jump into Great. some questions. Let me uh, let this dog in here because she's knocking on the door. Let me now. clear you my throat. <laughs> Is that you? Is that you filling dead air? <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, let me uh, get into the questions folder here, so we can listen yeah. to questions. Yeah. While you're doing that, that have. did you guys know that two weeks ago we had episode oh, sixty, this a- and this week's episode <laughs> is sixty-two? <laughs> I was really hoping this would be a number fact, but not uh, yeah. like about our show. <laughs> I can bring up more. There is no, a bunch. no. Please, no, no. It was a joke. Uh, I don't this week's episode <laughs> is the answer to the grand question plus twenty. Oh. Well, that's a highbrow joke. joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Thank you. Dan reads. Let me no, download I just, a I watched that movie. real quick. Hold on. Why won't it read? Kim okay, this had- first question's from Adam Barnett. Adam has this to say. <laughs> hey, guys. Adam here from Barnett Custom Woodworks. I'm hoping uh, my question this week doesn't start a fight or offend anybody. <laughs> it's probably going uh, I have a, a silly history with you guys. I apologize. Uh, but thank you for all the great answers to all my dumb questions. But anyway, this week I have money saved up, so I'm going to get a real table saw and a real planer, and I'm pretty sure I know what I'm getting for those, but I need to get a jointer, and I don't 
have a lot of research under my belt on what kind of jointer I should get. So I want to do a crap ton of cutting boards, and uh, I'm starting to do some a lot of butcher block countertop kind of stuff. So I'm going to be jointing long pieces and taking stuff to another place and paying them to do it is getting old. Uh, I want to do it all in-house. So I don't have a lot of space. You know, I'm working with a one-car garage here. Uh, what jointer do you recommend for jointing short to long pieces of lumber? Uh, look forward to your answers. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. Podcast is awesome. You guys are awesome. I just wanted you to know I love you. I love you more. I win. No, you hang up. No, you hang uh, up. Pete, what do you up? think? Well, I, honestly, I mean, get a proper... We actually answered this question, very similar question a couple weeks ago. Get a proper minimum six-inch joiner that is floor standing. Do they get any smaller than six-inch joiners? No, but they... Well, <laughs> well I guess... Yeah, I don't know. They I have like a those, hand, hand plane joiner. Well, I guess, yeah. But yeah, seven. a 16 joiner, but a floor standing model because you really want that reference surface. Um, it's it's about a four foot bed total. So you got about two feet on each side, in feet and out feet. And I think that's that's crucial. The bench top ones are fine. Dan's got had one for a while. I think he's still got, or no, he probably got rid of it. Yeah, he had it for a while and it did fine. But having that extra reference surface is really nice. If you can spend the money, go with the eight inch. It's just going to pay dividends over time. But... You know, you mentioned you, you have some money. You don't really say specifically what other tools you're getting exactly. You said a serious saw and planer. I'm assuming like a oh, 735 said real saw better. and real planer. But yeah, real saw, real planer. I'm assuming something a little more heavier duty, not a lunchbox. Um, I would say maybe look for a used floor standing joiner, like those rigids, deltas, whatever, the six inch ones. And then also look for a good deal on a drum sander and i'm only saying that because you were talking about butcher block tops and i mean you can't a joiner is not going to help you planer might you know joiner is going to get the edges right but that you can do on a basic small six inch joiner too having that drum sander i mean dan uses his religiously it almost replaced his planer haha <laughs> that's a joke but no but really he uses it quite a bit and i think that's a good way to do it too so maybe look at both of those but at a lower end entry level but i don't know dan what do you think dan what about you since we just lost pete <laughs> yeah we lost pete i think um <laughs> did you lose me pete basically stole my answer i was gonna say uh get a used jointer pete you're there now okay that's weird well at least my audio recorded that's okay that's weird yeah that's suspicious ironically um, you started <laughs> speaking after i finished which was perfect that's what she said oh well anyways as i was gonna say pete stole my answer Per the usual, my lawyers are taking note of all these things. Did you hear my drum sander comment? Yes, mm -hmm. I did. Oh, I, okay. I heard your. That's that was the most important part of the answer that you saw. Um, definitely get uh, at least a six inch jointer, floor standing jointer. Don't don't get a bench top jointer. Uh, I think you can make them work, but you know if you want to get quote unquote a real jointer, you, you're going to want some sort of floor standing model. Uh, I see them all the time in my local Facebook marketplace. Uh, I know Rigid makes one that you can buy brand new. It's not terribly expensive. I don't know exactly how expensive, but it's not too bad. And it's I believe it's bad. a six-inch model. model. <clears throat> and you could put a helical head in there if you really want to feel spicy. Yeah. You could. 
Sure. But yeah, Pete Pete actually uh, brought up a very good point. I mean, if you're going to be doing butcher blocks or big cutting boards, I think a drum sander is more important than the jointer itself. I really do. I mean, that thing is clutch when it comes to stuff like that. Any sort of panel. I mean, it flattens really well. I use mine a lot. Pete's right. I use mine religiously. I don't think I've used my lunchbox jointer uh, in a couple months since I got that that uh, drum sander. Mike? Well, all things being relative, so like money is always a big factor for everyone. So I'm going to go through different scenarios. So it sounds like you're making some investments in your tools. So we'll get to that next, but we'll go for the cheap option up, which is kind of what Dan and Pete went to. I personally think that if you're really trying to build up your shop, you're wasting your time with a six inch joiner because, um, well, so the eight inch joiner is a really good size jointer. It's going to, you can probably go your entire woodworking, well, a very long woodworking career with an eight inch joiner and be just fine because you can do so many things with a planer in terms of sleds. And, uh, I know for a fact that Adam is also into CNC's. I'll get into that in a second too. So, I think a six inch joiner, I had mine for like four months. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like enough. The table. You had the table a six size, inch jointer before? Yeah. I had a craftsman six inch joiner before I had my Powermatic and then I got my. So um, I had it for like a few months. I got it off Marketplace. It was really cheap and it was almost immediately too small. Um, it was really. It, it depends on what you're doing too. Like if you're if you're doing a bunch of cutting boards. You really don't need much more than a six inch, honestly. Like you can get by with if you're just doing a bunch of cutting boards, you're fine. A six inch is going to be just fine. But if you're getting into other stuff with big, big pieces on it, the eight inch starts to feel really like the money spot for a jointer. Um, so that's where I'm at. That's my opinion is if you can make it happen financially, just skip the six inch entirely and go straight to the eight inch. And it sounds like you're trying to make that. A, that stop laughing, Pete. Um <laughs> That's uh, Mike's but, answer always, <laughs> eight inches. <laughs> so, but with like I said, with all things being relative, if you're going to get a six-inch joiner, I think you should get a used one. And uh, it doesn't take a whole – here's the reason why there's so many six-inch joiners on the marketplace. Because people buy their six-inch joiner and then they want an eight-inch joiner and they sell their six-inch joiner. Yes. So, that's honestly like why there's so many six-inch joiners on that's the marketplace. That's a great because- point. Is like the six inch joiners, upgrade them really soon. <laughs> you're going to upgrade it very quickly, but it will be a game changer in your shop. So it's worth yeah, having. If you don't have one at all, exactly. I would I would still say if you can avoid the whole six inch process, go straight to the eight inch joiner because you can, like I said, make that last your whole lifetime. I think you really don't need a twelve inch joiner. It is uh, it does definitely come in handy in my shop, but you can. There are not a lot of times where I'm like, man, glad I had that twelve inch joiner. You know, it's not always necessary. Another thing is, um, uh, I know Adam's into CNCs, and I'm I'm certain he wants to upgrade his. <clears throat> I actually do a lot of milling on my CNC now. I don't do a whole lot of jointing or planing, not nearly as much as I used to before I got my CNC. Now, obviously, I'm in a different situation than a lot of people are in with their CNC beds, but I put a lot of my planks on there because it's just fast. <laughs> like I can just make a quick program, flatten it, flip it over, flatten the other side and it's done like with big big pieces of wood. So, um that's like the other end of the financial situation. Like you can go start from, you know, go to the 6 inch, which I think you really should avoid if you can, but if you do buy one, get one used. And in terms of what brand, you know, 
I'm going to say Laguna. <laughs> like I'm just like a big Laguna fan. So um, As I will are. say, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I will say that uh, Powermatic <laughs> makes good joiners. I don't personally, I'm not a huge fan of Jet, but truly bottom of my heart, they are fine jointers. Same with Grizzly. I just don't personally like them for my own reasons, but they're fine. You know what I mean? Yep. Like if you had one of those joiners in your shop, they're going to do the job just fine. Um, so I'm just, you know, I just, I like Laguna a lot. It's a personal preference yep. thing. Uh, so. Um, but if you're going with a six inch joiner, jet, delta, rigid, literally the same body, different features based on brand. <laughs> Let me go one further. Uh, jet, Laguna, Grizzly, Powermatic, they're but all the same th- thing. That's an eight. <laughs> that's like in the eight inch category. You want to go with like I. I would go with Laguna or Paramatic. I think that would be that'd be the two I'd be looking yeah. at. Um, yeah, by the way, just one unpopular answer possibly, but maybe look at a ten inch planer joiner combo. Ten, ten inch for that combo is I, I've I've never well I've used one before, but I've never had one. But I hear decent things about the combo machines. I mean, it the might ten be, inch yeah. planer just seems so small, so it, small. It, yes, so small. but a ten inch joiner is really. It's nice. weird how like one's one's relative, relatively small and one's a uh, good size. It's but think so of it this weird. way: you're usually they do different joining totally and then planing, but... and what our planers are thirteen inches or 12, 13 inches, and then the joiners are eight, maybe to twelve inches. If you're like if. Like you have a big one, like Mike. Hey, hey. Uh, but like having a ten-inch joiner planer combo actually makes a lot of sense. Yes, it's a smaller planer, but you're joining and planing the same width, so you can kind of no, maximize. Because when I joint, I'm usually making a panel. I mean, when you're joining, you're usually making a panel. But you usually so joint you- one face, and then that's a reference face for your planer. Yeah. If you're doing the same piece, but if I'm join if I'm joining up a panel, I j- I just S2S join it together all Yeah, but S3S you still need a face. You still need the faces to be. You don't need to do the top until it's all glued together. That's what I usually do. But you I still need a, to I have a join. real unpopular opinion. You don't it. need a jointer at all if you're just making cutting boards and butcher blocks. Oh, what is this? What is this? Peter season you really, 1? You really What's going don't. On? I think you could get by with just the planer, a table saw and a drum sander. Spend your money on a drum sander if you don't have one. That's what I would do. I mean, I can't argue. If you're if you're making butcher blocks, you're not you're not milling up that big of pieces. You can do almost everything you need to do on the table saw. Here's the thing: if you're lucky, or if you look well enough, for six seven hundred dollars, you can have a sixteen inch a sixteen thirty two drum sander and a six inch joiner. Easy. You're gonna have a hard time finding a seven hundred dollars sixteen thirty two. But your your point is right. I mean, you're not going to find a 1632 um, for 700. No, I paid three hundred dollars for mine. But you don't have a 1632. Yes, I do. You do. Your Ryobi's a 1632. Yes, oh. it's it's a it's the. And there was a bunch the, of those listed for that price. I've just seen that at least uh, <laughs> since I've I've got mine. No, since I got mine, I've seen at least two more pop up in just our makers. Or yeah, our a Google local makers. guy, a local guy beat me to one years ago. You got a Ryobi 1632 for 350. It's the Super Max body before it was like, or Perform Max or whatever. It's the same exact body. It's just back when Ryobi got on the same bandwagon as as everyone else and just bought them out. Like bought out a bunch of bodies. They just painted it Ryobi and that's it. Yeah. Trust me. You can, you can find some deals under a thousand dollars. You can get both of those tools. They get snatched up quickly, but they're out there. Yep. Like, see, you start another fight. Damn it. It's not a fight. 
Well, no he fight. said, he's like, I hope I don't start a fight. You did. <laughs> There's no fight. <laughs> We're kind of uh, fighting. We're kind of fighting. Andrew Dembeck. You just don't think it's a fight because you're winning. <laughs> no, it's not a fight. No. Uh, it's not a fight when, you know, the one of the guys on the ground bleeding out. You know, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, this next one's from <laughs> That's so mean to say about Dan. <laughs> this next one's from Andrew Denbeck. What's up, guys? Andrew here with ADD Woodworking. Uh, my question for you guys this week has to do with uh, poor choices and mistakes. Uh, earlier this week, I had one of those days in the shop where I made one mistake, and that led to another and another, and it snowballed into ultimate frustration. Uh, but my question is very specific about cleaning my bandsaw blade. Uh, long story short, I made a stupid choice and my Resaw King blade is now covered in hot glue. Uh, I tried to cut through something that had hot glue in it. The glue got stuck in all of the teeth of the blade. So my question for you guys, because Google was rather unhelpful, uh, do you guys have any advice on how to clean hot glue out of my bandsaw blade? I appreciate any help, and I enjoy the podcast. Thanks. Dan. I feel like he was explaining my life there at the beginning. <laughs> mistake after mistake. Anyway, um, actually, I think I'm going to go the opposite direction of what a few of these guys are going to go. And I'm going to say, fold that sucker up as much as you can and put it in a freezer. And then Dan the just glue- Googled how to get rid of hot glue. No. <laughs> No, that should break the bond. <laughs> it will. Freeze it. That was the answer. I was trying to throw you for a red herring when I said the oh. thing I said. <laughs> wow, dang it. <laughs> Look at you guys Googling instead of using experience. No, actually. <laughs> Bunch of chumps. <laughs> I was thinking, I in the pre-show this came up, we always pre-listen to the questions in yep. the pre-show. Uh, we don't answer them, but we pre-listen to them. And we have a lot of people in the chat. And I think AJ, no, not AJ. Yeah, AJ from... Uh, crafted in nj Mm -hmm. he was in there and his comment in the chat was put it in the freezer and i was like oh that's kind of smart so i i googled it i did and it turns out so when i said you googled it and you said no that was a lie okay well fact checkers just write that down (laughs) you were you were saying i googled it right now i googled it hours ago i googled it right now I had another answer for the thing I was. I have another answer. I have another answer that I had thrown the red herring in there for, but the answer that you have is right here on the top of the Google search. Yeah, throw that sucker in the freezer; it'll come right off. Pete, or no, Mike, I want to hear yours. Mike, what about you, Mike? What do you Uh, say, Mike? uh, Acetone or denatured alcohol will break down that hot glue. So if you if you get some if you get like if you take your your Resaw King, you can't see me if you're listening, but if you're watching, take your blade out. Get a bowl or a large container, pour a bunch of acetone or denatured alcohol in there, and then and run it. your blade through there and hit it with a brush, like a wire brush while you're going through there, and it'll get it right off. So that's the other answer. The other thing is, if you don't have that, is get a heat gun and heat that glue right back up and get it off that way. Grab like a paper towel, heat the hot glue up, and uh, pull it off. It just sounds like it's going to make a bigger gluey mess. No, but it's, not my problem. it's dried hot glue though, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like tacky. Not my problem. It's, it's dried. Yeah, it's Throw it in lava. Eh, not my problem. It'll work. <laughs> Do you have glue on your blade? Huh, you're welcome. <laughs> Throw it in a Pete, volcano. See, I thought he was going to go with like, oh, I have sap all over my blade. Like, yeah, me too. I, that's where well, I was going when he started talking saying. about it. Because that's then, by the way, if you have sap 
on your blade, what, simple green? Mike, that, you use that too, right? Mm-hmm. Acetone green or pine salt. Pine salt too. Yeah, it worked pretty well. Pine salve. I'm also kind of curious pine how he solvent. got hot glue onto, were you doing like a hot glue epoxy pour? Hot glue party. <laughs> and then you're resawing it? Because I'm like, how'd you get it all over the blade? But uh, I would recommend, I mean, those guys had great answers, probably better than mine, but I have these little black nylon probe things that calm down um they're often used in uh in, in fixing computers and stuff there's a point on one side and an edge on the other and like a, a catch on it too these are great but i also have just a bunch of plastic scrapers and what i would do is like take the blade off and then just scrape it because that glue if it's dry it should pop off if you give it a good scrape i like the methods that the guys actually mentioned like cleaning it off fully but like you should be able to scrape it off it should just pop right off the metal it's just hot glue it's not like it's going to bond to it that well uh it's a lot more work well actually all of these are work let's be real yeah they're not it's not easy solution and i i've just learned over the years that i should always have a trash blade so like i have a resaw king on mine now but i also bought like a 30 dollar cheapo blade that's a three quarter inch i think it's also a resaw blade, but it's for like weird things, you know. Yeah. Like, from, <laughs> it's not what you think. It's <laughs> it's not what you think. Uh, <laughs> no, but if I'm if I'm jokes. resawing, like uh, somebody wants, oh hey, I have this log that's def <laughs> <laughs> resawing my Costco card, or if I'm trying to get my Costco sized toilet paper down or like regular rolls. If we were still doing the thing, I would have a great code phrase right now. Go for it. Just say. I can't it. say it. I can't say a say potential it. title. Let's let's go. Resawed adult toy. Oh God! Which direction? Forward. X, X Y, or Z. I need to get that breaks that breaks sound downloaded immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's my yeah. Just scrape it or get you know get another blade for like cutting sappy wood because that's we've all been there. Yeah, scrape scrape with a plastic scraper. That's what that's my answer. Cool, cool. cool. This cool. next question is from Nick from Boundless Designs. Never heard of it. Hey, him. boys. Nick here at Boundless Designs. This week, I have a question about abandoning projects. You know, I always want to make sure that my clients are super happy, that they get the best product possible, and that, you know, they, they're happy with what they've spent money on. Uh, but there may be times where, you know, you just can't deliver on what they've asked for or for whatever reason, the budget didn't accommodate what they wanted or they just were super unhappy with what you delivered. Or there's a problem with what you delivered. And despite every effort to fix it, you just can't. Or there's just some mismatch in expectations somewhere. Uh, have you guys ever had that issue? Or if you haven't, you know, how would you manage that issue where you just cut ties with the clients? And whether it's refunding the money or whether it's doing something different, referring them to somebody else, you know, how would you manage that? to salvage that relationship with them um, so that you can continue being clients of yours and you have a better relationship and, and you continue moving forward. Also, a uh, quick question. Mike's been working on a lot of projects he can't talk about lately. Is he secretly working for the CIA? Pete? All right, I'm going to answer the second question first. Uh, he's actually super embarrassed about this, but he's moonlighting at Menards. Uh, for <laughs> I'm a greeter. <laughs> it's it's just he's making up all these projects. He's not. He's moonlighting at Menards. Uh, it's for the discounts. Picked up a shift at Taco Bell. Yeah. As far as like, <laughs> listen, I, all I'm going to say, I'm going to keep this answer short. There's a lot of efficiency 
Sometimes you just have to walk away from a project. You have to walk away from a customer. And if you're abandoning a project, whether you're refunding some of it, all of it, hopefully not all of it, but some of it or whatever, there's no salvaging that relationship usually. Um, and honestly, it's usually not worth it. There's plenty of fish in the sea. You're going to get another customer. Dan? I pretty much agree with that, especially the Minar- Menards comment. I think Mike is working there. Moonlighting. Yep. Moonlighting. Yes. Uh, I've, ha- I've had I've had to walk away from a client, not just in woodworking, but in photography as well. Uh, you know, sometimes it's better for everybody to, you know, be open and say, you know what? I can't. I can't do what you're asking instead of like trying to make them happy because there, there are people out there that just can't be pleased, unfortunately. And I think it's, I think sometimes the better option is to walk away now. However, you know, you want to, you want to be open, you want to be honest. And if you got somebody who's unhappy, it would, it would behoove you to find out why they're unhappy. Not just walk away instantly. That's not always the answer, even though sometimes it is. You know, keep a dialogue open and try to find out why they're unhappy and if it's something that you can fix. Be open with them. Be understanding. A lot of times, you know, you're just not on the same page. And in the end, clients are going to remember how you made them feel versus how the product turned out. If you made them feel like a rock star, they're going to remember that more than the the piece or the product itself, I think. Mike, what do you think? Um, I think that, well, directly about what you just said, I think that you need to give your customer a very good customer experience, 100%. I don't necessarily agree that they're not going to be, or that they're going to be happy if their piece that you made them is crap and you gave them a good time. I think they're going to be unhappy. So you need to give them a good product. I know that's not, well, yeah, not the heart of, I know give, that's not what the heart of what Dan's saying. Product. But I'm saying just giving them the good customer experience isn't enough is all I'm saying. You need to give them a good customer experience. No, but it's a and huge you need part to give them of what it. They expect. Yes, yeah. Customer experience is a big thing. Uh but I, you need to give them the thing they expect. And I think that has a lot to do with expectations. I've never had this happen with the product or with a customer where I had to walk away. I have had it happen in the beginning portions where I was like, "Oh, red flag. I am not going to give this person this job." Or I'm not going to be able to – I haven't pushed away a job because I couldn't do it. I have pushed away a job because I didn't want to work with the person. So uh, I have definitely done that twice now. And I never tell them no. I give them a ridiculous price to do it. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, oh, but yeah. I've never had that – I've never been in the point position where I had to uh, walk away from a job in the middle or at the end of a job because we just couldn't come to terms on it. That hasn't happened to me and I really hope it never does. So, um, but if it does happen, uh, which is what you're asking, how would I handle it? And that would be to, well, there's no way to answer it because you're going to have to work that out with the customer, no matter what, like the two of you are going to have to go, Hey, what, what are we, I mean, you're going to have to go to the customer and say, how can I make this right? And they're probably going to say, well, you need to make this thing exactly how I want it. And uh, if you can't, then you need to say, hey, you know what? We cut my losses here. I'm going to take my thing back that I made you and I'm going to give you your money back and we're going to part ways. And that's pro- and like Pete said, it's just going to be the end of it. So that's a good way to do it, too. Take the, um, take the wood back. No, you just take it all back. Or it's yours. Take, we'll take the project money back. back and, <laughs> yeah. yeah say, hey, money back. if it, this isn't going to work 
you're obviously not going to be happy with what I do here. I wouldn't say it like that. Just, you know, you need to figure out how you're going to say that. But, you you know, you say, hey, if you're, just, you're really unhappy about this, uh, I'm probably not the right person. I'm going to take this back. And here's all your money back because you don't get to keep the material. And if you want to keep the material, then uh, actually, I would say you don't get to keep the material. Or here's all your money back so that they don't get the tool or they don't get the piece that you worked on. Yes. Uh, because that puts that. the ball more in their court. And now they're out something and you're not just out something too. Remember a couple of months ago, we got a call where somebody was like, the customer... They, the bed didn't work. They threw they it. Threw or they the threw fire. it in a fire pit, <laughs> and then they wanted their money back. No. Yeah, that's crazy talk. Yeah, that's no. where you're like, yeah, no chance. Listen, if you want to keep the project, I'm keeping a deposit, which is half, right? Yeah. 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 What's up, Dan? Actually, I, I'm reminded of a little situation I got in into around the holidays. I was making a lot of cutting boards. And I ended up making a cutting board for a guy Mm. that lived not too far from Pete, but I didn't know that at the time. Now, I forgot, I actually forgot to water pop this board. And after I sent it to him and he used it, it got a little fuzzy. You know, no big deal. Easy fix. I told him, you can send it back to me and I'll pay for the shipping charges and I'll resand it. You can take it to Pete, who only lives, what, he lived like 15 minutes from you or something like that? Something like that. It was pretty close, yeah. It was crazy close after we got to looking at it. And he'll do it for you, and I'll compensate Pete. Or you can send it back to me, and I'll give you all your money back. And he chose that. Like, I I gave him a bunch of options. And that's... I've definitely... I haven't been to that situation, but I've been close on a couple of projects where I was like, yeah, you know what? Uh... This yeah, I've definitely been close on some projects where I was kind of out. I had a I had well, I don't want to go into too many details on it, but I've definitely had a customer. I presented them with something that I thought for sure they were gonna love, and they're like, "Ooh, we actually don't like that." And I was like, "Huh, that's weird. That's really in line with a lot of what I make and um, sort of my signature." So, uh, but I ended up redoing it. I just kind of sucked it up and just got it done and took care of the customer. And they have been a repeat customer, so I uh, I definitely went the direction. I'm glad I. I'm happy that I went that direction and didn't say, you know, pull the FU card and walked away for sure. But, um, yeah, I've done that. a few. Tough. I pulled the, uh, the old FU card and walked away in my photography career a few times. You know, yeah. there's a lot of bright efficiency. I hate to put it that way because customer is always right, but mm. sometimes customers are like that same <laughs> customers, yeah, customers, wrong. customers aren't always right, but, yeah. uh, you know, you got to treat them right. As best you can until they're a douchebag. Uh, Dan, why don't you read some questions since we have so many written mm, questions this week? We have <laughs> three written in questions. Whoa. Oh, excuse me. And we're going to go with the first one that I have. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah. The first I like one. that. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From Josh Calhoun. Let's do middle out. Middle out. It's too late. I already pulled Josh. Go two, three, one. Okay, fine. Question for the show this week. I'm looking for an entry-level planer to get into more hardwood projects. Everyone seems to have the DeWalt 735. I'm familiar with the machine and have used it, but seem to struggle with a bunch of beech wood. Beech wood. Uh, You all have a lot of Laguna tools, so I'm not looking at Laguna IP12 with the car... So now I'm looking at the Laguna IP12 with the carbide cutter heads in comparison. I run my shop on an extension cord for now. Man, I feel you there, Josh. Uh, So a 220-volt machine from Craigslist isn't an option. 
What are your thoughts, opinions, and advice on picking up the right machine? Which one would you choose? Thanks for the great show and content from you all. Thank you for writing in, Josh. Pete, what do you think? I, I hate to, I hate to say it, but the 735 is kind of a league of its own. There's no competitor for it for that category. It's right. lunchbox planners, DeWalt 735, floor standing models. So yep. DeWalt 735, and you don't need the helical head on it or the, the spiral cutter head or whatever. But straight blades are fine. They're double sided, by the way, so you can flip them over when they start getting worn out. There's three of them, so they last a good good amount of time. And replacements are like 30 bucks. So not bad at all. That's what I'd say look for. And you can get them. I got mine for about, I think, 400 bucks. So that's not too bad. A new one's like five, six hundred, something like that. Mike, yeah, it's like six hundred bucks. Yeah, I don't. Did he say he has a seven thirty-five? No, he just sees he sees the lot. A lot of people like them. Yeah, I mean, you really. I mean, I'm a huge Laguna fan, but that's still a lunchbox planer. The problem with the lunchbox planers is their rollers are really close together by Mm -hmm. that head. The seven thirty-five, the rollers are spread out, so you get less snipe. So that's what's the real advantage about that wide format seven thirty-five. So. And um, it's got three cutter heads. Yeah. And yeah. And, a, and a dust blower. Well, so it actually blows out your, your that, chips. Uh, that Laguna has helical heads, so it's going to actually give you better cuts, but it's going to have more snipe. Yeah. I, well, let me rephrase this. I've never used it, so I don't know. But uh, the helical head, in theory, is – well, not in theory. It's always going to be better than straight knives. So I, I don't know how they can make it worse unless, like, the roller was uh, uneven or something. <laughs> I don't know. But it doesn't matter. That 735 is – huge of a laguna fan as i am i mean i i haven't used that that new laguna one i mean i think the 735 is the way to go it's just because it's tried and true that might change in a few months when more people have used that lunchbox planer maybe i'll be able to get some time with it i don't know but um i think that 735 is uh been around for a while and i don't see them upgrading that thing because they have no reason to unless they give you the option and drop the price to get the helical head and that thing out of the gate that's that'd be huge that'd be cool yeah, if they did that out of the gate, that'd be huge. But anyway, I have no idea if they're doing that. But so anyway, the Laguna IP12, that's their new lunchbox planer? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that actually. Yeah, it's it's uh they got Laguna's got the lunchbox planer. Uh it's it's a 12-inch planer with a helical head built in. So I think oh, it's cool. three rows of teeth. So I think you end up with like 96 or something like that. Oh, wow. um, I had no idea. Yeah, it's coming out with the spring release model so it should be hitting floors pretty soon it's not a bad cost but there's something about the lunchbox size category that leaves a sour taste in my mouth i think mike Mike nailed it the rollers aren't spread apart far enough so in theory in theory if you have a good setup where you can um i believe that the new laguna god i'm trying to remember does the head come down yeah, the head comes down onto the yeah. bed, right? Yes, the bed is so, – so I'm pretty sure – yes, it's the same with the Laguna. The head comes down. The cutter head comes down. So if you actually made yourself a pretty decent – like if you put that lunchbox in like an outfeed table and made the tables of the planer flat with the outfeeds and the infeed of the outfeed – uh, yes. You could actually probably – you wouldn't really need to worry so much about the rollers if you had like a long, long bottom reference instead of referencing that top. So if you get like a lunchbox like that and you make a good and setup for it, but you need a lot of space for There are plans out there for like snipeless jigs for your planer, which basically yeah. just extends your bed. That's all it does on top yeah. of the existing bed. And Which is exactly they, what I'm saying. They do work. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, um, 
Yeah, there's definitely options out there, but I would look at something that I would either look at 735. Uh, I think Jet has one. I sounds like I'm hating on Jet, but I have heard a lot of bad things about that Jet. So I, but I've never used it again. So I don't have any personal experience. I've just I've heard from like four people that they've had issues with it. So I've heard a lot of snipe from that Jet one, even though the finish is really nice because it is a helical head. Uh, I've heard a lot of snipe issues. So um, anyway, I think that's good, Dan. Did you go, Dan? No, not not officially. Yeah, go, Dan. Go. Uh, well, that's a f- again. Pete stole my answers. I think it's so, in a it's in a league all its own. You got the lunchbox, you got the seven thirty five, and then you got floor standing models. And I was going to mention that it also has the dust chip blower on it built in, so you can just put a bag on it. It's got its own built in quote unquote dust collection, which yep. is very nice. <clears throat> Not any other lunchbox planers that I can think of have that. And correct me if I'm wrong, please do. But I think I think that's your best option, really is. So I, yeah. I didn't really add much there. I just repeated what, awesome. what you guys said. Next, next next one we're gonna go with you first. Do a oh, do are, another re- a reader. Are we yeah. doing another reader? Yeah, why right, not? And then I wanted got... to say I'm gonna do this one first for the answer. So I don't steal it. <laughs> what now? I want you to answer it first so I don't steal oh, the okay. answer. John Puchk. Puchk. Pooch. 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 Whoa. John Pooch. John. John. Thanks, John. <laughs> he says, uh, I follow all you guys on Instagram. I created my sorry, own Insta you. as well. Uh, Pooch Woodworks. That's P-U-T-C-H. Is that, is that Pooch? Is there P- an S in there? P-U-T-S-C-H. Pooch. Pooch. Thank you, John. Now that we've um, destroyed your name. I am writing to, to you today. <laughs> I'm writing to you today because I recently got away from doing epoxy work because I nearly started a fire. Oh, a project mm. flash cured and it was scary. Mm, too much volume. I know what my mistake was and I'm interested in getting back into epoxy, but I never really learned from online or YouTube the proper way to clean up and dispose of materials that could have touched or used during mixing or the final product. It would be nice talking point, perhaps, for one of your episodes. It would be a nice talking point for one of your episodes. I think a lot of users would uh, benefit from knowing this information. I'm pumped to listen to these podcasts during work. Be well. Josh. John. Pooch. Pooch. So I think what he's asking is, what is what is our... Uh, what is our workflow for epoxy and, and to like keep it safe and not start a fire? Dan, I'm not answering that's this how first. I understand it. Dan answered first. <laughs> I don't have one. I've uh, never had that problem. I don't use epoxy enough to worry about it. I've never done a huge epoxy pour. I only use epoxy for small fillers. The biggest problem I've ever had is I put too much epoxy in a cup and that got really hot. So I just put it out in the driveway. <laughs> Seemed like the best place to put it. Was it was hot to touch. I don't have any revelation answers. You took Mike. my answer, Dan. No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um uh so what happened was he put too much volume for the for the yeah. speed of the resin in his thing, and that's why his fire started. That's probably what happened to Dan. That happened to me when I first started using epoxy and it scared me for a few months. I uh was too slow. You kind of have to move. With epoxy, you gotta you gotta get your processes down. You gotta you gotta mix it. Uh, you got to do that for your allotted amount of time. It's usually five minutes. You got to stir it for five minutes 
and you got to get poured and you got to get that volume in that dispenser, whatever it is, a cup, a graduated cylinder, whatever you got, you got to get that volume down as low as you can get it. So, uh, if you have like, if you have like a cup that's three inches in diameter and it's filled up and it's six inches tall and it's filled up 90%, that's a lot of volume in that container and that will get hot really quick. And that's how you get the exothermic reaction. Um, and that's, don't they recommend, uh, you should keep the volume at less than like an inch. Well, it, it depends. So like, like total boat is where I have most of my knowledge from. So like the slow, I only use this. Well, 95% of what I use is slow. I don't even have any fast because it just sets up so fast. Like you, I mean, you have like a few minutes to get that stuff in there and it, it, for me and my uses, I, I the only thing I would see using the fast for is as an adhesive to like apply to get panels together. Um, even then, I would probably still just use the slow because you get so much open time. You get like an hour of open time or something. I don't even know if it's that long, but you get a long open time with the fast. It's still pretty quick, um, and it yellows if there's too much volume and stuff. Uh, it's it's just I don't know. But for me, what I do is. If I usually almost, I'm so bad at mixing my, my volumes and there's, um, there are calculations out there to find out. You can roughly find out how much epoxy you need. You can, you know, measure the width, measure how, measure how deep it is. And, uh, it'll, they'll tell you how many ounces or whatever you need or milliliters or whatever. Uh, I never use that. I'm just trying to get better at eyeballing it because I want to get better at eyeballing it and I'm getting better, slowly getting better, but I almost always have too much. It's a good way to start a fire, Mike. Yeah, well, what I have is I have a bucket. I have a Home Depot bucket, um, and I've just been filling my excess epoxy in there. And it's never enough to make more than like an eighth or a sixteenth of an inch at the bottom of the bucket because it levels out. So this bucket is now like halfway full. What are you going to do with that bucket when it's all full? Neighbor's yard, bro. That's not my problem. <laughs> no, 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 no. Slap it in a lathe. And yeah, sell it I'm for a thousand dollars. Oh, you said like, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were saying throw it in a lake. What? <laughs> throw it in a lake. Throw it in a lake. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, uh, I fill okay, it in Alabama. Luna. Yeah, Luna just can't decide if she wants to in or out. I throw, I throw it in that bucket, and uh, that's where it goes. If I have extra, it's just a little bit. I usually end up pouring in there, like a few ounces or something, two ounces. I hate wasting any because epoxy is so pricey. But um, that's what I do with mine. So just get it into another container that's real thin, let it dry, and then um, you can just throw it out. I mean, if you have like a, a like a silicone mold or some a plastic plate or something, you just don't care about. Preferably something that won't easily start on fire because even though you're th- throwing a thin amount in there, you just want to be as safe as you can. But I'm throwing mine in a thing of epoxy. I know it. That's how I do it. I just One of the local guys epoxy. I'm friends with, he has uh, silicone uh, coaster molds and he throws all his extra throws, epoxy. Yeah. I, oh, something else I do. Sorry, Pete. Uh, something else I do is I usually have random knots of – or ra- random wood, pieces of wood that I keep in my – I have like, you know, my offcuts and stuff that I want to use for other projects. I will throw – I will set out a few of those that hold, have big knot holes in them and I'll tape them off before I'm done with my other job and any extra I'll just throw in those to fill the knot holes. So that's something else I'll do. So you end up being able to use it all. So uh, that's something you can do. And uh, But the coaster thing is a good idea. That made me think about that because I usually set up uh, – like I have a bunch of alder from when I first started woodworking. I got this huge haul of alder for free and they have a ton of knot holes in them. I've been filling those for years. So anyway, Pete, what about you? Uh very similar to answer to yours. Uh, I, I do have the, the coaster forms, the silicone coaster forms, but I I never have enough to fill one of those. So anytime I got some extra, 
I'm constantly, and I usually do stories about this. I'm always like running around the shop, like, what can I glue together? What's broken right now? Or like, what needs a, a knot filled? So I just like fill random knots of fill like, my kraken. Yeah, fill my crack. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, fill. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to fill up the whole coaster mold at that time. I mean, epoxy no. bonds to itself, every right? Time. It well, does bond to it's itself, cured. but there is a if, there's if a time it's, if, it's, if it's not still gummy. You'll have yeah. to abrade it with sanding paper. Yeah, there's a window like of when it sticks to itself oh, best. So when you I do layers... Something. I didn't know that. Yeah. You can, but you gotta... Like you said, scuff it up. You gotta... I got it. You gotta do one, too. Um, so there's that. As far as, like, you know, dangerous finishes or whatever, I always... Because he, he did talk about, like, acoustic finishes or exothermic reaction things. So, like, anytime I'm doing finishes or whatever that might heat up with time, I hang those up. I hang those up. They just hang out and they're fine. Yes. If I'm ever like genuinely like, all right, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Yay or nay. I will put it in some kind of cup or something. If it's plastic, that's fine. Uh, and then I will put it on something on my table saw because it's cast iron. It's metal. If if it caught fire in the middle of the night, it'll just burn and ruin my table saw in that one spot and I'll just sand it and clean it up. But it won't Sounds catch my like shop on idea. fire. Fire and, on the table and, saw. Yeah, and I'll put on so, like I have like a, a like plastic thing that I can put on there that I can put on top of. That's what just I been do my for those. Thing. What I do for because there's a lot of finishes out there. You, they do have like BL, uh, boiled linseed oil yeah. in them. They will start on fire, like Pete's saying. If you look at like these finishes from like the box store, like these yeah. uh, hobby grade finishes, like uh, not finished, but these hobby grade like stains. <laughs> Uh, if you look on there, they'll say, hey, th- this can start on fire if you leave the rag. I just literally throw those in my fire pit. I, I-, I open them up and I put them in my fire pit. Because if they start on fire. Oh, you're going to start, start on fire? fire? fire pit. I'll show you. I'll show you. Yeah. No, no, I don't burn them in my fire pit. I mm-hmm. let them dry out Later. in my fire pit until they're dried out. And then as soon as they're dried out, that's when I throw them in my neighborhood. Oh, okay. That's a good so, idea, too. Um, that's actually a really good idea. But yeah, I throw um, them in my fire pit. That's what yeah, I do. John, my, like, I, it was John, right? John was called it? John. Yes, John. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid of it. I, you know. Many people have had like exothermic reactions. You're literally mixing chemicals to create a you're combustion. making plastic. Yeah, you're you're making hot plastic. It'll happen. It's literally part of the thing. You shouldn't be afraid of it. It's like starting a car. It's like oh, it's loud now. No, it's a car. That's what it does. <laughs> but that's that's the reality of it. It's something that's fully expected. You're. It's not a weird reaction you got. It's not like you got kickback on a table saw. This is what happens. So don't don't be afraid of it. Learn how to control it. That's it. Should we do another written in or should we do? Yeah, let's get these. We can do another one. I'm going to truncate this one quite a bit because he wrote a lot. And Brian M., thank you for writing in. We really appreciate it. But I I don't have an hour to read your whole thing. So (laughs) basically what he's uh, getting into here is he wants to know about insurance. What do we do for insurance on our businesses and our shops? And probably like liability insurance. And Mike, since you have probably the biggest shop out of all of us and the most equipment, why don't you go first? So I have my homeowner's insurance, which in a lot of cases will cover most people's situation unless you're like running a business. If you're a hobby, I don't know what your situation is, um, but if you're uh, like a hobbyist, um, you're probably covered by your homeowner's insurance realistically. If you're running a business, you're going to want to look into different things. I mean, you're going to get to a it point looks, where 
It looks like he has an LLC for his business. So he's okay. So he's got a business. So your this is how you need to look at it. If you're utilizing your tools and the depreciation schedule to get tax write offs for your business, you are now utilizing your tools at for your business. Now you need to insure them under your business. So that's how you need to think about it. So if you're if you have tools with a depreciation schedule and you're utilizing that depreciation schedule to get a tax break, you need to use uh you need to have the proper insurance. So your your tools are now product of your entity and they are not going to be necessarily covered. They're probably going to be specifically not covered by your uh homeowner's insurance. So uh, that doesn't matter if you have an LLC. If you have any sort of entity where you're using them as a tax write-off or they are assets that belong to your business, you need to look at the insurance for those. If you're doing this, having some fun, you're not probably needing to worry about it so much. Even probably like if you're running an Etsy store selling some stuff, probably not a huge deal. Um, you know, you're able to kind of run all that through your individual being, I guess. I mean, you're running it through you if you're running like a, a hobbyist sort of thing. You, you could sell stuff and still be at that level. But if you got an LLC and you're doing that stuff, you're going to want to get insurance to cover damages to your tools, whether it be a fire, theft, um, someone comes into your shop and a buddy uses it and now they've cut their hand off. Uh, you need to have some sort of coverage for that. Uh, I mean, people being in your shop, you might want to really look at what does your insurance actually cover for that? Because if you get someone gets hurt in your shop and your insurance goes, hey, you didn't tell us people were using your tools other than you. We didn't cover that. Good luck. You know, good luck. And then they just brush you long and you're screwed for a very long time. So look into that stuff. Uh, and then you need to start looking into uh, what sort of liabilities you have in terms of, okay, I'm selling this piece of furniture to someone. How can they get hurt? And how how do you want to be covered in case they do? I won't build uh, like bar stools ever because those have a very high insurance claim rate, according to my insurance agent. Um, and they actually need their own insurance if you're building those kind of like high bar stool type stools. Uh, people fall off them. And where are they used? Where are bar stools used? In bars. And people are doing what there? They're drinking. So they fall off and they get hurt. So um, today it's, I learned. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they have their own – there's certain pieces of furniture that have their own sort of uh, insurance scales on them. Um, so those are things you need to think about. Obviously, if you have an employee, you have a whole other set of insurances. you got to get uh, workers' comp, stuff like that. So um, uh, I have homeowner's insurance and then we have an umbrella policy uh, that has a bunch of money in it. And then we have – I have Coffee Custom Builds has its own insurance policy – there's a commercial policy on there. It is not a policy where <clears throat> I don't have the coverage to where I can do perform work on a site other than my shop. I can't build furniture in a location. I can't do or perform work on a site. I have a big project I'm working right now um, and I can't perform any of the work on site. <laughs> when the pro when the thing gets delivered, I we're working out now to where originally I was going to be having a moving company put the thing in the building, but they're actually going to be uh, putting it in the building for me. It seems like now, so um, but I can't do that myself. I can't. I mean, for one, I physically can't do it myself. The thing's going to weigh like six hundred pounds. But from an insurance standpoint, I can't either because I can't. If I damage something in their building, bringing it in, I'm liable. If I damage something on the table, 
I'm not only liable for the damage of the table, but because this is a commercial project, I'm now liable for any other trades that are held up from me having to fix my table. Um, so if I damage that table, so I'm like, oh, I got to get this thing out of here. It's going to take me a week. Well, they already had people there waiting to because they're actually building a wall around my table. Um, and there's other trades that are going to be waiting on me. So those are goes into whole other things called liquidated damage. It's a nightmare. So those are things that you don't want to deal with. You just don't want to deal with it. So um, you just my best advice is seek out help from a professional. Get a CPA, not a CPA, get an insurance broker. I have a friend of mine who is my insurance guy. He is really great. And um, he just tells me what I need and he gets it and takes care of it. And then when I have an issue, uh, I give him the issue and he deals with it. And he tells me, hey, this is your situation now. This is what we're dealing with. So uh, I don't, I'm not an insurance salesman and I'm not an insurance broker and I don't know everything about it. So take my advice with that grain of salt and uh, seek the help of a professional because every state is different. Every region is different. Uh, so you might have different requirements that you need as well. That's why we're kind of really uh, reluctant to give out too much very specific business advice. But uh, that is my situation. It might not be your situation, but I would definitely ask someone who does it for a living. Uh, like Dan. Dan? I was just sitting here shaking my head yes at like everything Mike said. Everybody's situation is different. Um, I'm doing this full time. However, I am a licensed contractor in the state of Nebraska, so I can do work on site. I have insurance that covers all that. I have an insurance broker that tells me what I need because there are a lot of facets here. There are a lot of things to consider. It it really depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it and where you're doing it and how much you're doing and get yourself an insurance broker, man. It's almost, it's on the same level of importance as a CPA in my opinion, especially if you're doing this as a business. For an example, it's got to be different from where Dan is for I'm at. For me to have the insurance to do work on site, it would add seven to twenty five thousand more dollars of your insurance coverage or insurance costs for me to do work on site. Oh, it's not that much. That's I mean, it's an insane amount of money. My insurance broker was like, uh, do do not even start think about taking on that kind of work. I have to be in like a whole different like financial income bracket with my business before I can start thinking about doing work on site. The insurance is like 15 times more expensive than what I'm paying now. So it's got to yeah. be different out there. But yeah, you, you were right. I mean, everybody's situation is different uh, depending on where you're at, what you're doing. And that's why we really don't get into the specifics usually about this, this point because it's so vast. Pete, what do you have to add? Right. All right. So I'll answer not so much as like a, I guess as a business, but as someone that's currently going through the process, um, we're buying a house and I'm, we're trying to do it right. Here's the thing. I grew up, I grew up as a, I don't want to say poor, but we were always, we always had enough, but we weren't ever wealthy. And the mentality we were always kind of taught was don't tell them because they'll charge you. I don't know if anyone else could relate that oh, to that. Yeah. It's like, don't my tell them because they'll, they'll charge you. For my that. parents live by that. Yeah. Dan, you get it. Like, don't, yeah. don't tell them because they'll charge you for that. Like, you don't tell them that you have a shop because they'll charge you extra for that. But if the poop hits the fan, yeah. they're not, all those times you hear like these horror stories of insurance that's the claims. opposite like, of they advice. Didn't, they didn't cover this or that. Oh, insurance, that's a scam because we, they didn't cover that because you didn't tell them you were doing it. You were using your car for business or whatever. I, I'll, I'll give you guys my numbers. I was getting quotes from some insurance companies and I just blatantly told them like, hey, I'm running a 
business, not an LLC, but a DBA from my house. And I focused mainly on the woodworking, but in reality, my most of my business is content and 3D printing. Woodworking's become more of a hobby that just the content is around. And even focusing on like, hey, I have a woodworking business, but I'm a it's a hobbyist that's making money with it. They basically flipped to like, okay, we can only cover so much within your homeowner policy. And if you wanted to, you can extend it with an umbrella policy, like Mike was saying. In the state of New Jersey, to get basically $1.5 million of insurance between $500,000 policy on our house that covers almost everything except only a portion, I think only 5000 of my shop, and then an umbrella policy that would cover everything else up to a million dollars. That's if somebody sues you, somebody comes over to your house, chop off their hand on a table saw, they sue you. Even though they like you, they're suing you because no hand, uh, duh. And you get to you're covered for up to one point five million dollars. It cost me one thousand dollars for the year. I, I, I'm sorry, that's that's a no brainer. Yeah, it's a thousand dollars. That's a lot. There. But that's that's for a year to cover everything. I could have a friend come over every month and cut off a hand. I don't want to, but, but they'll probably drop me. But that's the reality of it. Like, get insurance. It's like when we talk about CPAs, get it. There's no, you're not benefiting from like hiding things about it. Tell your CPA about stuff. Tell your insurance agent about stuff. They'll tell you what the best policy is. And the reality of the thing is, if like, uh, actually, another thing that you should focus on is talk to your, your, your policy, whatever, whoever has your policy, talk about your situation or Talk, even if you don't want to give them too much information, just say, hey, if I were to open up a business, how would that look? Or, hey, my hobby is growing and I have this many thousands of dollars in tools. How much would that cost? Because some policies will only cover, they told me at max, at the highest policy I can get, they can only cover $7,000 of electronics in the house. I go, lady, I have over $7,000 at my desk. I need a bigger policy because I, I do IT for a living. I'd like I sit in front of my work computer and my personal one. So do your research, talk to someone, get all the numbers. It's really not that expensive. However, the stuff that Mike was talking about in certain states for like contractor licenses or whatever, that get get a little pricey, but you don't know until you ask. That's my answer. Mike had something to add. Cool. Well, I was gonna say if um if you want to be in a business and you think you're going to be benefiting from keeping information from your business partners like your CPA and your insurance broker, your business is going to fail. You need to be very honest with those people because they cannot help you without all the information. If you have a CPA or someone who advises you on stuff and you're not being like very honest with them, like you almost have a patient client confidentiality with them that you can almost, you can rely on. Like you can tell them things and they're going to tell you the best way to handle that. They're not going to lie for you or they shouldn't be lying for you. Otherwise they're going to get, it's going to get figured out, but you need to tell them, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And you don't need to, you shouldn't go in there feeling like, Oh, this person's going to judge me for this decision. No, they're going to give you, you straight just, answers. Yeah. Yeah. You're paying they, they, them for that. Yeah. If you're paying them to do something, you need to give them all the information. Otherwise you're, you're going to be like, Oh, he gave me this thing. He told me to do this thing. And then something hits the fan. And then you'd be like, Hey man, this happened. And be like, and now I owe this like, well, you didn't even tell me you were doing stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I thought it'd make my insurance go up. Yeah, it will. 
$5, but now you're out $200,000. So right. think about that stuff. If they I find mean, out you're running an LLC out of your shop and they had no clue, if you burn down your house because of a rag catching on fire because of your shop, they might not cover anything. They'll right. find out, right. by the way. Yeah. They'll find out. They'll Before find out. your house even burns down, they'll find out. And then, then yeah. they will shut off your house policy. And they'll then drop you're screwed. You. Yeah. And then you'll get blackballed. So- um, yeah, once you get dropped by a homeowner's insurance policy, like it's really hard to find other homeowner's insurance like to cover then, your yeah. house. My uh, insurance broker was like, hey, do you want to add – it's essentially content creator insurance, but it's for it's for uh, making um, – I can't remember what, what it's called. But he's like, you want to add this content creator insurance? I was like, no, that's so dumb. I'm not adding that. He's like, it's $17 for the year. I was like, oh, well, then yeah, oh, add it. Yes. <laughs> so it covers me for like yeah. all this stuff now. And it's like, yeah, 17 bucks. That's like, well, when he told cover? me a million dollar policy it was, was, if I give was bad like $15 a month as a result. Like oh. on the podcast here, yeah. if we have advice to someone, like um, throw their bandsaw in the freezer and they open it up and it comes out and cuts their head. <laughs> the whole off. bandsaw? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If Let me like clarify. On the audio. Put your no, blade yeah. in there only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's stuff like that. That's what it covers. So, if I have like advice in one of my videos or something, anyway, it was, it's not. Called content creator insurance, but that's yep. basically what it was. You sell was one a, cutting board and a one end grain cutting board, and it covers your million dollar umbrella policy for the year. That's not true. I mean, but it's could. pretty close. Mine so, was like, no, mine was one seventy five for oh, the yeah. year for I a million like, dollar policy. Yeah, I have like seventy thousand or eighty thousand for my shop, just like water shop, damage separate. for yep. my shop, like fire stuff. And it was like, it's like $126 for the year or something like that. It's pretty incredible. It's worth cheap. it. It's worth but it. There's certain things where you have to really look at. Like when I get an employee in Cal, well, in California, if I, when I get an employee, work comp insurance is outrageous. Well, yeah. That's, uh, in other states, you should move. In other states, yeah, it's not California so bad. Is. So um, it's, from what I understand, 30% cheaper. So anyway, um, let's go on to the next questions, which are yeah. voice messages. Cause I don't think there are any more written in ones, right? Yeah, we got, no, we got them. Yeah, we so did. we got Nick. Oh, I didn't answer the question about the secret questions, did I? Oh, about no like one the cares. secret jobs. Okay, so this I'm next kidding, question kidding. is tell, from tell, Nick. Pa- tell him, oh. tell him. So the real answer to the secret jobs is: so when I first started on Instagram, I really like to share as much as I can in the stories. I'm like really used to really just like opening up the book and being me in my stories. But I'm starting to get more work now, where I have commercial jobs. And it's just really not appropriate for me to talk about it. And I'm having to cat, I'm trying to get better about not bringing it up at all. Like I'm doing jobs in the background that I'm not talking about at all. Like you don't see all the stuff. Like I, before when I was like just making cutting boards, having fun, having a good time in there, uh, it was really easy for me to share everything because a lot of it was just for me. But now I'm in this new position over the last year or so where I'm doing jobs where I really shouldn't professionally, I shouldn't talk about them. Uh, and some of them aren't locks. So I'm having a hard time adjusting to that mentally. And I start to share it and then I realize that I really shouldn't. So I probably should just start deleting those stories, but I'm so used to not deleting stories. No. I try to never delete stories. I always share just try to hit play on them. So, well, I'm not trying to tease because that's annoying. Like people will never, ever know what these projects are. Like it, I'm trying not well, to tease. Well, they will know eventually. Things. No. Okay. Some of these oh, projects I can't share ever. <laughs> like some of these projects Menards. I have like, I, yeah, this this the greeter job is secret. Shh, no, I some of these things I just can't share. Like I can't. Welcome Menards. I'm Michael. Thank you for coming. <laughs> there's some like there's there's like design jobs and certain things I've done that I I will I can't share because I've been 
asked not to share them. So there's certain things I can't, and I'm trying to get better at that, but it's a learning curve for me because I'm not used to that. Um, so this next question is from Nick Pachi, and he has this. Hey guys, Nick from The Working Grain. Um, so I'm down in the workshop and I just finished listening to the podcast for the week. Loved it, by the way. Uh, but I thought I'd give a listen to my second favorite podcast. And on there, they were discussing how motivational speakers today have kind of absurd tips for success. Like, one, wake up. Two, don't eat. Three, donate your left kidney. Four, sacrifice your firstborn. And uh, it got me thinking, what would you guys say is your number one tip for success in the workshop? Thanks, guys. Dan? I'm going to get flack for saying this. I could feel it already. But consistency. Go out there. Have a have a have a list of what you want to do and accomplish every day and go out there and get it done and follow a schedule. Now I'll tell you, I'm not the best at following my own advice on this one, but I think that's probably what you should be doing. <laughs> if 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 what I'm thinking is correct. Yeah. That's what you should do. Pete. I, I mean, not to sound like an ESPN interview, but consistency, sticking to the plan. (laughs) Like it, it, you're right. It's, it's, it's trying to stick to a plan. I constantly make to do lists and I started writing them down. So they're annoying. I bring them around with me while I'm doing, I'm going to go in a shop. I'm bringing my to do list, but like I tend to get, I definitely have ADHD. And the problem with our small living space is that all of my hobbies and jobs are all in one space. So I'm going between my job, 3D printing, and like, oh, I have to ship this thing. Oh, I can't ship it because I have to finish this thing. Oh, before I finish it, I have to make that jig. And it's just becomes like a thing where I don't get the first thing done because I'm like six steps after it already. But none of them are getting done well. They're all getting done eventually, and it's it, it really gets out of control. So doing a daily list has definitely helped me out. So like staying consistent, like knocking out your your to-dos for the day. I still love the three, three to-dos every single day. Just put three things on your list every day and knock those out. Things that you know you can get done. You'll probably get more done, and I did for a while, and I stopped doing it. But like I got more done those days than I did most other days because I would basically... Who who does this? Who adds things to the bottom of their list to cross them out because they did them instead of the things on the list? I would need to make a list first to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it just like follow, set some goals for the day, small ones, two, three things that you know you need to get done or one non-negotiable. That was, that used to be my favorite. I do. I still do this every day. It's one non-negotiable that I need to get done that day. Otherwise I can't go to sleep. Like I have to get it done. Um, Mike, what about you? I live on lists. Like that's my life. I work on lists. I always have my, from my, my day job to now I live on lists. I mean, I do everything on lists every on the weekends now, especially now that I'm like paying my cousin to come help me. I definitely set up lists for him and for me. Like we have a big checklist. Um, And then, but for me on the weekdays, eh, it's kind of loosey goosey on the weekdays, but the biggest thing is to just, if it's really important to you to, and it's the same answer of consistency, get in there and do stuff like do stuff and not like go in there and you got two hours. So do hour and 30 minutes of stories and stuff. Sometimes it gets easy to caught up and get in your doing BS. But I mean, sometimes you just need to be in there to kind of like free your mind from things. So, um, 
that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to feel bad about just wanting to be in the shop and not doing stuff. So yeah. I, I say that. I say that. I make that statement. But if you really want to get stuff done and it's important to you, and if you're running a business, you don't have a choice. Otherwise, you're just going to fail. Like you have to get stuff done. Like things have to get done. That's the bottom line. You got to get stuff done. And sometimes you don't want to. And a lot of times you get to this point in a project and it's not your favorite part of the project, but that's not what happened. You didn't just agree to build your favorite part of the project. You agreed to build a whole project. So you got to get it done. So that's kind of like what you got to understand, like the good and the bad. Like the good is you get to do these things and you get to do, yeah, you get to get to the end of this project. Like I'm not always necessary. There's like a, there's some processes with woodworking that I really am in love with the processes, but I really like the finished product. I'm really all about the finished product for the most part. Like I like seeing that they're like milling. I really, really enjoy milling a lot. Um, Milling. I really enjoy and learning. I really enjoy, but with woodworking and furniture stuff, I really like the finished project. Um, I've never really like kind of sweated too much about how you get there so much. Like there's some people who are like, Oh, you didn't do it with this tool. You're not a real, whatever. I don't really care about that. It's more about getting the, getting it done for me. I like to get things done the most efficiently. That's kind of the thing I like the most. So getting out there and doing it is the, the most, is the most important thing in my opinion. And that just is the same answer as Pete and Dan. And I'm taking way too long to say ditto. So ditto. Um, the next question is from Sean Marks. He has this to say, made with Marks. Going on, gentlemen. Sean made with Marks on Instagram, and I had a semi-nerdy question this week. So I've been watching, uh, you know, superhero movies a lot, and it made me think about, like, even any scenario where there is somebody who gains a power of some sort, they always end up turning into who they really are so if in their mind they're a good person then they turn into a good person if they're a bad person then they do you know bad things so my thought here was kind of like what if if you gain a superpower it doesn't matter what superpower it is what would that make you turn into interested to hear your thoughts on that have a good night guys i really like sean i really don't like this question (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. How the heck am I supposed to answer this question? Coward. Coward. <laughs> Coward. I guess. Uh, Cowardly Pete, you man. Go first. Brave sure. Guy. I'll answer it the same way I answered it in a pre-show or to, between oh, yeah, the to do two bad shows. things. No, no. Like, well, hang on. Bad things. Don't. Well, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I really don't know how I, how I would evolve. I like to think I'm genuinely a good person. I like. I don't like conflict. I like being a nice person. I like people to be nice around me. But, but. If you give me like a one of those bad superpowers, like something that like what's a know, bad superpower to you? Invisibility. Say what you want. Oh, Pete. So Pete's bad a superpower. That's what. Pete oh is. no, no, no! <laughs> Come on, girls' locker room. The basics. Come on, we're going back <sighs> the to the porkies. <laughs> Deviant. Um, Let's see. But like it, I it, the the kind of more on the bad side superpowers. I'd probably lean more towards like all right, occasionally a little bit of mischief. Nothing, nothing mean. <laughs> but if I had the ones that were like, clearly you got to be a superhero. Like I can fly, it's super strong, whatever, super speed. And strangle dogs. To All death. right. Well, now I like. I'm gonna clearly. I'm gonna save lives. Like, like that's just my thing. Now. That's Polish my mischief. Polish mischief, which is just fun fact. Mischief. It's all Polish. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's it. I, like, I'd like to think that it would all be good. But yeah, let's be real. We all want to mess around. Like, hey. You know, maybe I want that random orbital sander 
but I can't afford it. <laughs> Maybe it, if I'm invisible, it just walks out of Menards in the middle of the night. <laughs> Into your invisible pants. <laughs> My, just, just underwear floating. Underwear holding <laughs> a sander. <laughs> what about you, Dan? <laughs> Since you're laughing the I'd most. like to think that I'd also be a good person. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I thought about the porkies. The girls' <laughs> locker room. <laughs> Man, but we're getting canceled over, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we're a different generation. I'd like to for think those of you kids that don't know what Porky says. Oh. Bing it, bing it. Aren't you twenty nine? I'm joking. Like, I'm turning. I would like to think I'm going to be a, a good superhero because I like to do good. I like to help people. I like to be a force of good. So MDF man. <laughs> It's better than the Polish MD- mischief. No, wait, MDF boy, right? Yeah, I'm a boy. I'm the boy. Yeah, I'm a boy. He's a sidekick to his own superhero. Yeah, I'm a boy. Yeah, I'm a boy. Yeah, I'm a boy. Uh, yeah, I'm a boy. I don't. I don't know how to answer this question either. It's such a weird question. It's so weird. Not what superpower do you want, but would you be good or bad, and why? Definitely down the middle. Mike, please save us. Uh, have you I answered mean, yet? No, I, no, I haven't. I just, you know, of course, I'd hope I'd be a good person. I guess <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, I would, uh, I would enslave the entire Russian populace, <laughs> and oh. I would. <laughs> no, I, it's you know, I want to do good things, and I really have. There's, I just really want to do woodworking all the time. That's all I want to do. So like, I want to like, like even with superpowers, I want to be like. You know, get better at woodworking. <laughs> like, I'm pretty singularly focused. Like, I have no desire to become invisible and go into a girl's locker room at, like, a Carl's Jr. or whatever. Yeah, who'd want to do that? Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. have a girl's locker room? <laughs> or a girl's bathroom, whatever. I don't know. Um, whatever stuff you guys are into. <laughs> no, it can't be a bathroom. That's creepy. Locker. You can't tell me when you were yeah. a kid it's in junior high. It's not about the bodies. It's about the... into your head. It's about the towels. When I was a kid, I'm talking about right now. That's the, That's the joke. That's the joke. Jeez. We're not. Mike doesn't no, get it. He's too we young. We don't want to do it now. He's too young and hip. I, I don't want to do it now. What? Uh, what? Dang no, it, millennials. Uh, yeah. Great question, Sean. Thanks. Uh, so this week's episode is brought to you by our patrons. Sean Marks is a patron. Thank you, Sean. Yes, he is. <laughs> No, that's it for the uh, show this week. This is a long one. I really thought it'd be a lot shorter than this. Dude, we're so, at an hour and 30 for the pod. Pete, Pete came into the show going, man, I'm tired. And we're like, oh, we'll make it a quick one. Yeah, the longest I'm show dying. Ever. I have yeah. finished all my drinks. The coffees <laughs> and the bourbons right. and the beers. Let's get out of, let's get out of here then. Let's go. Uh, big, big thanks to everyone supporting the show. Guys, get the word out on the show. Remind people of your love for AWP. We're, we're the best kept secret of the woodworking community. <laughs> Are we spread secret? Don't feels like it. Please not yell spread spread it, especially when you're invisible. (laughs) Uh, Big thanks to everyone who listens to the show. (laughs) Polish mischief says spread it. (laughs) What was that? What's that? There's no one in here with me. (laughs) Um, We're gonna lean into the Polish title. Polish mischief is gonna be the name of the title. Is that it? Is that we're going with? (laughs) Why not? Woodworking. Well, I thought it was Costco. Costco membership. I don't know how that doesn't make sense to anyone unless you know that joke, though. I guess we do that all the time. Well, hope you got your Costco card because you're about to get a mischief in bulk. You're about to get in bulk mischief (laughs) Mischief in bulk. bulk. (laughs) Good one.
you got to post. Wish Costco sold like you walk over and like okay, you can okay. get like walnut in bulk. It's like you need to post that link, that movie link, that clip for our patrons at least. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the intro line be. I hope you got your Costco card because you're about to get, and it's going to be like a random AWP in bulk. Let's <laughs> start doing that. Anytime it's like the meme between the three of us and all the yeah, we need to put that in the patron. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Get that up. Yep, Pete. yep, yep. Get that. Up. Yep. Okay. Big thanks to all the patrons. Big thanks to everyone who loves and supports us, up. guys. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> keep sharing the show. Keep doing what you're doing. You guys are amazing. So thank you for listening. Um, we got some. I guess what do we got? We got some guests coming down the pipe here soon we got to work out those dates get those going i don't think we got anything going next week with with get no we don't have any guests next week but we'll get some going on here real soon we got a handful of people we got lined up tentatively so we got to get those locked up so uh we will talk to you guys next friday right next friday nothing changes yeah next friday for the live yeah who knows what's going on uh pete just sent something right when i'm doing the (laughs) outro i don't know what it is i cannot look because i know it'll be distracting (laughs) uh we'll be in the live next friday at 6 p.m pacific 8 p.m central and 9 p.m east gosh dang it now i have to look hold on what is this (laughs) that's the title of the show Okay, we gotta go. Everyone bye now. Bye bye bye. Love you bye, long bye, time. Bye bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Love you long time. Bye.